Hi, folks. On this episode of Politically Denton, we present the District 1 incumbent, Gerard Hudspeth, and his opponent, George Ferry. This conversational debate is something that Kevin and I thought added something to this process, because let's be honest, there are a ton of forums out there, and it really feels like it's the same couple of questions, it's the same couple of people. Um, we really wanted to do something creative that added something to the conversation. So this is what we got. And you can vote from right now until April 29th, uh, 7 p.m. That is your last moment that you can cast an early vote. And then, of course, Election Day is going to be May 4th from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. And check out VoteDenton.com for all the voting locations. It's easy, it's fun, and it's democracy, so it counts. So here you have it. It's a conversation with the District 1 candidates, Gerard Hudspeth and George Ferry. I'm drifting again, aloft in the clouds, held up on the wind. My mind grows hazy, I forget my pills. Probably the number one tip is you don't have to talk. Sometimes you can just not talk. Like if, 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 yeah, that's probably my, my best tip for anybody. Is that your like, tip for yourself? Yeah, myself as well. Just sometimes it's okay just to listen. Anyways, here we are in downtown Denton uh, at the Ready Rosie office. It is a beautiful morning. It is a, it's a, about 9 a.m. And uh, the libations have been replaced with caffeinated varieties as opposed to alcoholic because of the time of day, which is great. We're here with the District 1 incumbent, Gerard Hudspeth. Hello. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing great. And uh, his uh, opponent, George. Hi, Dedden. How's it going? George Ferry. Is it is it Ferry? We were just discussing this. It's it is. It is George Ferry. Ferry. I always want to say... <laughs> I was looking for some more kind of French, like oh, Ferry. ferry. <laughs> no, it was changed. It was Italian. Ah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and we're here with Kevin. Kevin. Thank you. How it's are good you to doing? be here. Yeah, well, here we are. I haven't again. had coffee yet. Get somebody get this guy some coffee. You know there are a couple of local coffee <laughs> shops around that you could. Where's that from, George? This is from West Oak. Okay, <laughs> it's just across the way. Uh-huh. Have you already had coffee this morning, Gerard? Yes. Yes, I didn't get out to get coffee. I just had it at the at the house. So the uh, the last podcast we had with the D three candidates, we actually set up a little bit of a test for everybody. We had a variety of things on the table and said it was at nine at night. Pick your pick your libation, and you know certain people gravitated towards certain things, and then we had that was the first question was, what did you pick and why and why? Yeah. <laughs> so, but today it's just a coffee more and water in the morning. So, anyways, here we are, Kevin. So, want to kick it off with a yeah, and I, I guess I must uh, say I've got a vested interest in this race because I live in, in in District One. So I think you sat uh, in this seat also. One yeah, time. and and one of you will uh, will be uh, my my representative. So this is a great conversation. Uh, and I know Gerard, you always talk about District One as the number one district. Yes, sir. Um, and I, I want to hear it from each of you as to what you love about District One and what makes it kind of a unique part of town in terms of its makeup, uh, its people, and its assets uh, here. Whoever wants to jump in and start with that. Uh, so uh, I'll, I'll start. Uh, so Denton as a whole is is fantastic and love love the opportunity to, to live here. And then two, the absolutely the number one district in Denton is exactly that. And I would say because the, the different characters. So you have the uh, old school downtown and then you have the new school kind of house on uh, housing development in pecan creek area you have uh, one of the universities that is uh, just growing leaps and bounds up and coming and just and they've battled some of the more uh, current social issues you know so you you have a texas women's university that was predominantly women now it's then it integrated to men and then and then it's kind of going to what it is now and now they're winning nasa competitions and and doing great things building expanding so it's kind of we have a sampling of the past the current and 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 looking towards the future and then melding those together to make so one dissection one decision affects all those different uh, entities and so i think that's and, and you fold in the southeast Denton component and there's just a lot of character culture in there and so that's i think when you're talking about denton and and its uniqueness i think it captures district one captures a sampling of all those um, i think better than than most great george what do you love about district one <coughs> sorry allergies allergies are getting me um 
Uh, what I love about District 1, I love, yeah, absolutely, our amazing college, GWU, with amazing nursing programs and social work programs. We have Quaker Town Park. We have the Denton Downtown. I own a business downtown. Um, I love that we have um, the MLK Rec Center. I love that we have spaces with programs that are um, low cost or free to the public. I love that we have some great old parks that have been around for a long time. I love that we have green spaces. I love that we have a, a mix of people who've lived there for a long time with new development, with people who are moving in. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to echo the same things because those are all intrinsic to what makes D1 so great. Okay, well, awesome. Uh, George, uh, you're, you're running against an incumbent for this seat, and I'm always curious what makes people want to run for office in the first place, and it's certainly a laudable thing to do. Uh, are you running because something in particular about the current representative caused you to want to run, maybe some dissatisfaction, or was there something else about, irregardless of, of, of Mr. Hutspeth, you just wanted to run because of certain issues? Yeah, I think I... I no, I know. I'm running because I want a more diverse and inclusive table to sit at at city council. I think right now, with a bunch of growth coming into play and the current policy in place, um, there's a, a large group of people that are being underrepresented. And I don't think that council currently is avidly fighting for them. The LGBTQ community being one of them and renters being another. As both of those things, uh, I... I feel like it's just time for someone to do something, so why not me? Be the change you wish to see in the world. Do you want to respond to that, Gerard? Well, yes, Kevin. I, I think the current representative is a pretty great guy. I've known him for a while. Uh, and But no, seriously, I, I, I think for me, it, it's, you know, it's, it's individually one thing, but to lead on council and to find consensus, the evil C word, uh, that's where I think it, it, there's a there's a clear bright line and and what's able to be done. I think it's it's applauding to be able to have great ideas. It's another thing to be able to lead and find three other people to agree with you uh, to move those things forward. And I think when you look at policy wise, I've been pretty uh, diverse in my approach from SB four to to you know approving funding for whatever entities that would come to town. And then when you talk about individual uh, tasks, I think I, I, I try to highlight those as early in office as possible uh, where, where we've done individually things that we can do. But ultimately, there's things that you just have to find a consensus for. And you may have the greatest idea ever, but if you can't get three other people to lock, lock in with you, then there becomes a challenge and, and, and it just kind of dies for, for, for wanting uh, a consensus. So I, I think on those, when it comes to one Diversity issues, I, I think I have a good foundation uh, uh, on those topics. Uh, and then two, representing things that I can individually do, I think we've done well. And then building consensus, I think we've done well. So because George referenced this topic, uh, and then I know that Glenn has a downtown question he wants to ask, uh, the topic of renters uh, has been a hot topic in town just because affordable housing is an issue. Uh, we saw some uh, tragic uh, situations on Fry Street uh, with a particular property um, out there that made the paper as well. Um, what, what, George, if you want to share a little bit more about what do you perceive as the problem for renters in Denton and what are your specific policy suggestions on how to fix that? Yeah, great question. So safe and affordable housing. I think they shouldn't be mutually exclusive. You shouldn't have to choose which one's most important to you. I think that right now, that's a choice many have to make. I've lived here 14 years. I've rented here 14 years. I've lived in different spaces for 14 years. I've lived in D149 of those 14 years. And I've had to struggle with caved-in ceilings that stay caved-in for months because no one wants to do anything about it. I've stayed in large apartment complexes that are managed by large companies that won't fix things. I mean, in our in our district in D1, there was a fire because people put in constant work orders about plugs not working, and then there was fire in the walls. You know, I think it's important that policy be enforcing code so the, de uh, the development improvement services to go out and inspect vacant apartments every single year at apartment complexes to ensure that they're complying to the code 
so that we can save ourselves from slumlords and from fires. I think it's far too common in Denton, especially in older in older parts of Denton, that we're not doing a service to the people who want to live here. 53% of Denton rents. You know, we need to have policy that protects them from being taken advantage of. And right now we don't. And one of those ways is inspecting apartments and houses um, from small landlords to large companies that are large management groups, excuse me, um, to ensure that they can live in safe and affordable places. And as we continue to grow with the 67 what plus influx over the next 10 years, having a sustainable growth plan in place to make sure that we, you know, we are incentivizing multifamily houses to be safe and affordable to low income families and to make sure that furthermore beyond safe and affordable housing that they provide recycling. Recycling is a big thing for me. I'm going to keep saying recycling a lot today. Okay. Yeah. Uh, G- Gerard, do you see a problem for renters in Denton? And is there anything you'd like to do to, to alleviate that problem if it exists? Yes, starts with tax. Well, first, let, let's let's piggyback on your question. So the question was policy issues. And I picked up on of the commentary. There were two that I picked up that, that were brought up. So uh, a policy to uh, have code enforcement um, go out to each apartment every year and kind of cycle through that. Um, I don't know that I advocate for that one. It, it, it increases the cost to the apartment, which then would also increase the cost to renters when we have a free program that says if you have those, if your ceiling caves in or if they're not getting their work orders done, then you call that same department and they come out and investigate and work with the owner on your behalf at no cost. That to me seems like a better uh, targeted approach is to have use what we have available or point out its failings, which I've not heard. You know, so if it's if what we have now, which is tailored, customized and works because I just implemented it off of Quail Creek Creek Place, there's a, a senior community there that had gates that weren't working and some other things. And, and Brad went out and talked to him and we're getting fixes into place and we're getting handrails in place. And so uh, we've activated that. I activated that personally and have watched the results. And so I, I've not heard in any of the commentary about anything, any of those, the, the current policy failing. So that to me is where you start, point out what's wrong with what we're doing now. Uh, and then two, the other policy was uh, a growth plan that, that talks about uh, safe and affordable. And I think those two, you have to be careful because if you're talking about a policy and you're talking about additional costs, there's precious few owners that are going to just absorb costs. Those are going to get passed on. So then moving forward, I think when you're talking about what can be done for renters, I think it's key. When I talked to Alfredo Sanchez and he says, hey, I get my tax bill and now I've got to increase my rents to cover my taxes, which again, that's part of business. You look at your cost and you you add a profit to that. And so that's where that's one of my key tenets is we've got to do a better job and continue to work at lowering tax rates because we don't have control over the evaluation. So it's it's incumbent upon us to do our part, stay in our lane and keep the tax percentage low for the city, which then hopefully uh, takes the pressure off the rents and, and that sort of thing. So I've got a little bit of a follow-up to uh, that. Do in, either of you see any connection between the level of the the quality level of housing that's here in relation to supply and demand? The fact that you know we're at a two percent vacancy in multifamily right now, national average is seven. So we're national average for vacancy is three times what we have here. We're, we're basically we don't have empty apartments, you know. Do y'all do either of you see a connection in supply and demand and like what what sort of quality is out there as a in, in a free market way? <coughs> Me? Yeah, anybody. Yeah, either of you. Yeah, first I'd like to respond real quick. Uh One of the most baffling things to me is when I tell people did you know that for free you can call the city and ask them to inspect your home or apartment so long as you're on the lease for free? They'll inspect it inside and out and make sure it's up to code. First off, most people don't know that. They don't know the services offered by the city, which is the city's job to disseminate that information. And that's super important and difficult to access for most people. They just don't know how to find it. Um, it's constantly me telling one person at a time, call this number, call this number, talk to Lansing, talk to this person. Um, and furthermore, specifically for college students or younger folk, it's incredibly difficult when a problem does arise to call out your landlord 
because you live in fear of retaliation, which again, I understand the city's on our side, but it's difficult to ask someone who can't afford a down payment on a new apartment to call their landlord out and then be evicted for retaliation and then afford to go to court in front of the JP and hope that all of that works out and that they're not out thousands of dollars or forced to be homeless until they can afford a new place. So that's something that needs to be kept mindful. While it's a free service that's being offered, it's not always the best avenue for a lot of people financially. Um, as far as quality versus demand, the question that Glenn asked, um, yeah, I mean, again, 53% of debt and rents. We have a lot of renters in this town, which is why apartments are staying filled and all of the um, lower income housings are also incredibly filled. I was talking to a woman named Brenda who helps run one of the facilities here in Denton that are like low, that are low income housing and they're always very full. I just think it's mindful. It's mindful of us then to say, okay, well, if we're running out of multifamily housing spaces, we need to come up with a more spaces to have for them or B, a, a more sustainable plan in the future, whether it's increasing incentives for first-time home buyers, whether it's figuring out a way to get people uh, to uh, invest in um, in different models of multifamily housing, whether it be townhomes, like in D2, there's that new development that's going in, uh, it's starting to go in uh, just off of university. You know, diversifying the types of multifamily dwellings that we, that we have, again, to make it easier for people to have spaces to live. Um, How does that work as far as like the development code and the, you know, they're trying to get the new code or the old code? Yeah, the new code code that's coming up. How does that work? Well, uh, I know that in the new development code in R3, they're allowing multifamily dwellings to exist for the first time under an SUP, which is a special use permit. So, I mean, we're increasing the ability to have multifamily dwellings in different types of neighborhoods. Did that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. There was just a lot of pushback on that one. Sure, absolutely. I mean, people want... People want... People are... uh, What am I trying to say here? Um, Change is hard. Change is difficult. Especially if it's in your backyard. Especially if it's in your backyard. So, with growth comes the, the need for change. Uh, We have to be open to these ideas. We have to understand that growth is going to happen whether we like it or not. So we have to shoulder that and be ready for it. Unlike the roads in Denton right now, the last thing we want is not to have enough infrastructure for housing for that growth to come in because then we're going to get even further behind. Gerard, what's your take on that just general supply, demand, quality housing? How do we we expand what we're doing and keep the the tax revenues coming in? Because that's really... You know, the city's main job is to collect taxes and pay for roads and fire and police, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, what's your response there? Um, it's it's really education. It's communications. It, it's talking to people and and figuring because the same person that says we need more apartments would be adverse to the person that says there's too many apartments in town, right? And so, really, it's education. It's kind of normalizing that and then prioritizing that. I think for me, a key is uh, a, the problem I try to solve is. Areas like a cement city there uh, off of Bonnie Bray, an area where it's a cash cow. And so to get them to redevelop for with less parking spaces available now, if they were to go back up and 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 you're it's paid for and it's a straight profit center. And so how do I make that make sense or make it to where someone would want to buy it and go back up and and just kind of how do we solve some of those older apartment infrastructure issues with the reality that it's printing money so it's worth more than it's worth and and so how do we solve those so that's what i spend a lot of time thinking about but at the same time it's education that's the other thing it's here's why we have the apartments, here's what we're doing, here's where we're going, here's an area that we think can develop. And, and I think what, what was not mentioned is home ownership is changing. You don't have the same buying habits as you did. It's harder to come up with the 20% upfront now for younger adults to then take that plunge because of the cost of houses. So 20% when when I bought my house at eighty thousand is not twenty percent where a median house is two hundred and forty thousand dollars. So now where do you go get forty thousand dollars or how long does it take you to save that up? Or is that a goal of yours to have that? I mean I think sometimes it's just that's not what what's desirable anymore. And so I think 
that education piece, understanding the buying habits helps people understand. So it's not more apartments for these college kids. It's more apartments because people want to live closer to downtown. People's lives and how they manage that has changed. And so then once you kind of disseminate that information, it's easier to understand the need for more apartments and and the usage of those and kind of how people's how it intersects with people's lives. And and it kind of makes sense. Well, speaking of downtown and fires, we have a uh, uh, there was over it was a year and a half ago um, that mini mall burnt down. And really that, you know, that's the uh, I think I was quoted somewhere as saying it's the missing tooth in our grin. Um, Kind of thinking about that and um, just that's a that represents a, a great opportunity to steer the direction of what this area needs to look like. It was we added it up. It was like 14,000 square feet of retail that was gone overnight um very damaging just the foot traffic on that side of the street imagine all those shops that were just gone i mean y'all have both been downtown you know the impact that it's made if you had your way magic wand what does downtown look like in 20 and 30 20 or 30 years from now and anyone jump in on those yeah and, and let's think of downtown beyond just the square necessarily as kind of a larger footprint what is what does this become Right. And, and, and I would envision it being a almost a D.C. mall type feel where you can park on the outskirts. You can park on the side, almost like an expansion of a of a um, uh, what is the name of the park there? I'm drawing a blank there in uh, in downtown Dallas. Clyde Warren. Yeah. Yeah. So a Clyde Warren. But but instead of instead of uh, food trucks, it's actual businesses, you know, so it really is a combination. If, if in my mind of if you've been to San Antonio downtown by the convention center, they have Hemisphere Park where it has these kind of business incubators, kind of smaller retail spaces, uh, kind of a, a park component to it, which would then help us manage the 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 uh, flood flood zone areas where we can't build. Let's turn those into green spaces. But I I envision it expanding. Uh, let's fa- say uh, just past uh, north here, just past um, DISD's building there mm-hmm. on the corner and 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 the, and the Sleeping Lizard that kind of that area encompassing all the way down to uh, Pender's Music. I think you could kind of block that off as a downtown walkable type vibe that has parks and has retail. And and if I if I just had to put a number to it, I, I'd say maybe a forty percent retail. You know, maybe 10, 20 percent bars and then, you know, the rest other is, is kind of a, a good mix. You know, I think the retail intermingled kind of helps people go to the next shop, kind of meet that need. And then those that don't shop, the dads, the moms that don't shop or whatever can now go take the kids to the park or hang out or do that sort of thing while the other shopper goes and does their thing. So just kind of a, a way to everyone has something they can do. You just kind of park and, and go for a day. So how do we get there, though? Well, I think we've started that process. I think the, the key is, one, what Kevin touched on, expanding downtown. Downtown needs to be bigger in our minds, one. Two, I've talked to DISD about using that space as a parking lot and understanding what they're going to. So adult education is going there uh, evening. So that's perfect for retail, right? So you're understanding where the components go together. You mix in the younger crowd with NCTC down there. And I think with the conversation we had yesterday on council about opening up the streets to two ways is, is going to be important to that conversation. How do people, uh, how does a traffic flow? And then you talk to Eric Smith that says, hey, I'm going to go do multi uh, use development down here. And I'm thinking about uh, just north of Penders, uh, a parking garage there. So now parking garage there, parking garage at NCTC, parking garage at TWU uh, really is, is kind of uh, useful to kind of understand those dynamics and how we, we create walk trails or pads to kind of bring those synergies together and educate people that, hey, here's where you come. I had that conversation. Someone I was, I was talking to, I said, hey, park it, park it, uh, the courthouse and walk and they were they, they in their mind it was too far i was like no 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 we we're, we're lighting up hickory street it's a three minute walk and then someone else chimed in and said yeah no it's it's not far at all oh you mean the uh the carol yes building sir. yeah okay yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah. it was just kind of ex- education expanding people kind of educating them on it's not that far it, it seems like it is but yeah so you're saying we don't have a parking problem we have a walking problem there, there, a little bit, a little bit of both, you know, right? It depends on perspective, but yeah, a little bit, <laughs> a little bit of both. George, what about you? What's your magic wand? What do we look like in 20 or 30 years? How do we I, get there? I think we have a parking problem and a walking problem. Um, I mean, you know, I think 
my what I see in 20, 30 years, I'd like to increase the amount of mixed-use buildings so you've got people living above and around the square as well as retail and restaurants and bars. I would love our downtown area to be better lit in walkability. And I'd also like to see it in, increased in how cyclist friendly it is, you know, with maintained bike lanes that are well lit and separate, maybe even with barriers, just to ensure safety. Um, I'd like to see a larger park on the opposite side to counterbalance Quakertown. I'd like to see uh, more partnerships, like with Community Market. It would be lovely for them to have an indoor-outdoor space. I was there when they were at the the Civic Center this past weekend, and it was awesome. It was nice to be able to go inside when it was too warm. For people with kids who don't want their kids to get sunburns, it was nice to take them indoors for a minute. Um, It was gorgeous. It was a beautiful day, and it was nice to have public restrooms, water, (laughs) and some AC when you needed it. Uh, I'd like to see them have that type of space. Uh, I would like to see a partnership even further with NCTC. I think like Gerard had said, you know, we need to stop having private parking spaces or private lots. We need to figure out a way to work with them, especially at nights and on weekends, to allow them to open up to be free to everyone as it becomes more and more difficult to get parking. And um, I'd also like to see all these satellite parking spaces, again, be well advertised, have better crossings, be well lit. Uh, I'd like to see some more investments from what, what TIF incentives for starter businesses that are small, you know, like, like the community market being an incubator, help these people get their brick and mortars. Let's have them set up on these spaces that are vacant right now. Um, penders across down past where El Guapo's used to be. Um, you know, we need to be mindful of walking trails and greener spaces, especially on the South side. Um, I mean, there are, I feel like the goal in my head is when I went to York, Pennsylvania, which is a small town that's slowly becoming kind of what Denton is. One of my favorite things was they had used an old firehouse as their community market. It had those giant bay windows. They pulled that, that, that giant sliding garage door window up and they have fresh meat, fresh produce. I mean, anything you can think of is in this giant old firehouse. I'd like to see more utilization of any and all buildings around us and create as many spaces as we possibly can for the needs to be met on people who live downtown. If you live downtown, where's your nearest grocery store? Why don't we have one? Why don't we have some kind of market or ability to get every bit of resource you need downtown so you're not having to constantly find a parking space to leave to go get what you need each day? Um, I'd like to solve that problem. Great. I'm gonna ask you guys a question about economic development. If you look throughout Texas and certainly the Metroplex, there are some booming local economies that are only getting better uh, by the day. You think of what's happening in terms of Frisco. You think of what's going on um, in Fort Worth around Alliance Airport. I mean, just billions of dollars of investment, new jobs, new opportunities. Um, The potential seems to be that Denton can take advantage of some of that. What should we be doing uh, as a city uh, to make sure that we are not only attracting but growing uh, the types of jobs that not just the types of jobs that are more industrial-based, uh, but the types of jobs that college students want coming out of Denton and don't have to leave to go to Dallas, Austin, or somewhere else in order to uh, be gainfully employed. What are your ideas uh, kind of in the next few years of how Denton can situate itself to capture uh, the economic opportunity uh, that is already in the Metroplex? Uh, so thank you for the question. I, I think there's a few things. And, and I think it, it starts with Embracing what you don't know and, and and embracing those shortcomings. If we miss, we miss, right? So so I, I it's important to be plugged in. For example, your point about no one from council or staff or anyone attending the the event at Stoke Flint, right? Is that right? Yeah, that that's well noted. You know, I try to make everything. I, I, I double book. Responding and, to a tweet I made. The yeah, other day. <laughs> and because I, I although I don't, you know, I yeah. didn't really reply directly. I follow sure. it, and, and, and it's noted. You know, I try to make everything. I I, I pushed it. I, I mentioned it. I thought it was great. The speakers were dynamic. Uh, I just didn't. I was double booked and didn't think sure. to buy a ticket and send someone. Right. And so you, you, you take that as a you take that loss. Right. And you take it to heart and you and you do better. And so those events, though, 
bring people to Denton and introduce them to Denton and and start to start that conversation about, hey, this is a pretty great place. I like this office. Uh, and talk to the guy at Upventure. And he says, hey, in Frisco, it was just a, you know, you're just one of many. I wanted to come to Denton and become uh, significant in a, in a different way, right? And, and lead in a different way. And so he he ends up coming to Denton. So you have those conversations with those. And I think you're absolutely right. You, you follow the Alliance matter the, the alliance kind of model. I mean, it's every corporation you can think of. It's it's Black and Decker moving there. It's Farmers Coffee. It's Facebook. It's Amazon, FedEx, and so that's why I'm I'm perplexed by those that don't even want to have a conversation with Hillwood to understand what they could do here given the opportunity. Why why wouldn't you want to negotiate those things? So some of those on council didn't want to have that conversation. I think that's a conversation worth having because I'm passionate. One Are you refer, a, referring to the coal ranch? Yes, sir. Discussion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the there's those on the, the on council that advocated not to go any further in even having that conversation to negotiate a proposed deal, you know. Um and so that that was perplexing to me. Because one of the key things you touched on, and I don't think it gets enough attention, and I'll tell you why, internships for college, paid internships for college students. It's an absolute blood sport. And and we've got to do better about uh, providing those opportunities uh, for all, you know, for both kids from both universities to be able to work here, start a business here, whatever they want to do, and, and kind of help them along the way. And so... It starts with, I just had a conversation. The representative from Hillwood, I talked to him and I said, hey, you have connections at some level with all these people at, at Alliance. We're busing people down there to go work now. DCTA is doing that now. Help me get a job there. Help me get an internship there here in Denton where people can can do this. And he says, I was just talking to you until yesterday. It didn't come up. I'm sorry. We'll work on it. And so he's working on that right now. And so that that's, goes back to our first conversation. There's things you can do outside of the consensus, and there's just things that you just go, right? And so that's that's to me, is a unique difference, uh, is the, my ability to kind of see what we need and, and act on it. Let's go see. Let's go work, you know? And, and I don't need a consensus to do that. And so that ball is rolling now, and that, and that ball will, it'll, it'll produce, it, whatever it is. If it's one company, two companies, there'll be a company from Alliance, that's based in Alliance that will come to Denton and talk to kids about internships, paid internships. And, and that's something we're working on right now. And, and so that, it, to me, is when you're talking about economic development, it's doing the work. It's it's going to talk to Sriracha. You know, <laughs> it may or may not stick, but we're going, you know, and, and because there's there's just good that comes from it. You know, and, and so that that to me is key in that development. And so it's really just targeting. It's it's learning from others like Hillwood and like Alliance that, that have had success, what that is. And I'll just close with this. It, it, for anyone that doesn't understand the competitive nature of, of the economic development world, look at Dr. Pepper that went from just up the tollway from Plano to Frisco. <laughs> you know, it's they moved, you know, probably a matter of less than 20 miles. But it, it is just it points out the competitive nature of these cities, communities and, and the, the corporations and, and what they're looking for. And do you have it or do you not? And in this instance, it was the the uh, the star and, and kind of that being the the, the catalyst for them uh, wanting to make that move. George. Can you repeat the question? Yeah, me? so it was uh, it was it was a long winded kind of setup to the question, but the idea is that there's obviously a lot of need for more economic opportunity here in Denton. You sure. know, a lot of college students who like this town but have to move somewhere else mm -hmm. uh, to be gainfully employed. Uh, but yet, there's a lot of economic opportunity happening in the metroplex and around here. What do we need to be doing to capture that, uh, and how do we create more of that sort of opportunity for our own residents? Sure, and you know the city works with economic development. Economic development works with uh, the chamber, you know, with site selectors, bringing people to the table for conversations about coming to Denton. I think it's really important to have solid people in place to a bring high-paying quality jobs here, but also, I mean, Denton's a great place to be. You know, we need to rework our incentive and abatement structure. We need to take it individually instead of across the board saying, well, you have X amount of jobs at this medium pay, so you qualify for this much money. I think that that does a disservice to our city and to the citizens and the taxpayers. I think we need to be more um, mindful that each individual application is a conversation. 
it's it's a it's a deal that we strike together. It is a partnership. Uh, also, again, like hearkening back to what already exists, like partnerships with Stoke, partnerships with other job fairs and colleges on what we can bring to the table for Denton. What what's what does the future look like? A, it's a conversation. Asking them what types of jobs or industries are, are really. Um, What's the highest major that you have at UNT right now? What kind of business should we bring in to make sure that these people have jobs when they graduate in, in four years plus? Uh, it's just ensuring that we're constantly in, in talks with the partnerships that we have and making sure that we're um, going out into the industries to find the best fit for Denton. Great. Thank you. So... <coughs> You know, we we uh, did this podcast because we really wanted to do something that wasn't being done. We always want to kind of add to the conversation. We felt like there were a lot of forums, kind of the same questions over and over. And we're about to ask each of you is about to get a question that neither of you have gotten yet. I don't think. And that is what one question would you ask your opponent uh, and take it away? Like, Gerard, what what question do you have for for George? And this is your opportunity to ask it. Yeah, I'll just ask based because I didn't know this based on uh, Peggy's article. He's only I think he's only voted in two municipal elections. So that was 17 and 18, maybe. So I just don't know why he didn't vote in those other elections. Mm. And you can answer the question. Yeah, <laughs> and you're allowed to answer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, getting involved with politics has been a bumpy road. A lot of people, you know, first and foremost, D- district one out of all four districts has the lowest voter turnout in municipal elections. It's incredibly low. I think 815 people voted two years ago. You know, and part of that's the dissemination of information. As I've been block walking, I have realized a lot of people have said, I've never met anyone running from for district one ever. And I've lived here 20 years. I mean, it's doing the work. So part of it is when your representatives aren't going out to neighborhoods and meeting you, you don't know what's going on. And when you live a busy life and you're living paycheck to paycheck, you don't always stop to think about what's going on in your immediate city with local elections because that information's not being given to you. So that would be my answer is not knowing what was going on. And then the more you get involved, realizing every year we're having one, it's you got a mayor and you've got your two at large and now you've got your four districts and it flip flops every single year. So again, it would be engagement with the people who live there. It's doing the work. It's really putting out there every every opportunity you can for them to know they need to vote and their access to voting. Okay. Um, yeah. So George, what's your uh, question of Gerard? I mean, I guess mine would be, so there was a question at the League of Women Voters forum at the very end where the moderator asked us to say, approximately in your closing statement and you have two minutes will you please tell me about where you live and where you're raising your money that question was not answered by my opponent so i went and dug and did my own research and i found that it's a lot of lawyers real estate entities and uh, republican judges and county clerks so i want to know with the people investing in you and your campaign how will you fight for safe and affordable housing for the little person, for the hard worker, when so much of your money comes from larger entities? Sure. I, I think the answer succinctly is because I get it. One of the first conversations I had with the city manager was about uh, power being disconnected in the, in the process that they use to do that. And so... It, Kevin, Glenn, y'all pay your bills, so this is going to be news to you. What happens is when they turn off your your utilities um, in the past, if you stepped out on the front porch, you said, hey, I just paid the bill. It just didn't process yet. They would say, hey, you have to call customer service and get rescheduled to get your power turned back on. And I talked to the city manager about that, and we fixed that policy where that person is authorized to then make a phone call and kick it right back on. So when you talk about where my motivation and my focus comes from, it comes from growing up in Southeast Denton. It comes from being uh, living in Phoenix apartments. It comes from growing up in Willow Creek. All these areas, I'm sure my opponent has no idea what I'm talking about because uh, it, it one 
part of it doesn't exist anymore. The other part is that I don't see him on in that side of the uh, town that often. And so uh, and it's just legacy information, right? It's 40 years ago. And, and so a lot of that's gone. Uh, but that's what drives me that I talk about all the time when I one of the greatest impressions left on me was uh, when I got my driver's test and I drove with the DPS officer and he marked off because I stopped at an intersection that didn't have a stop sign. And I say all the time, I thought it was stolen. He he didn't where he grew up. It was not purposely not placed. And so those policy issues, when you talk about redlining, going back to history and, and what cities have done to to negatively affect people, that's where my motivation comes from. People that support my campaign like me and like what I do. And I've known them for 20 years, at least most of them. So uh, that's where that comes from. And that's people contributing to a campaign. And, and I'll go back and, and say, I. I want to apologize for the comment that was made because, Kevin, I think you did a great job running and disseminating information. And I think I did a great job running and disseminating information. I think there's there's opportunities uh, for people to um, do the best you can in this truncated amount of time that you have. And uh, that and I voted in every election since I was 18. Uh, and it's a two-page report on in the Denton Record Chronicle. Uh, and, I, and that has nothing to do with someone telling me uh, are coming and knocking on my door. It has nothing to do with that. It has about about it's about being plugged in and understanding. Uh, you get a tax bill every year. That's a reminder. There's there's plenty of reminders out there to be active civically. Uh, other than that, I I've done the paycheck to paycheck. I've delivered to Domino's for Domino's Pizza. I was a kitchen manager at Outback Steakhouse. I've done all those things. That's what drives me. Those experiences. That life. Growing up in Denton. Growing up on Bonnie Bray Street, where there was horses across the street, where now there's a hospital. Uh, so that's what drives me, not someone supporting my campaign. And uh, Gerard invoked uh, George on this one. So if you have a response, um, we'll, we'll hear that. Uh, if you don't, that's fine as well. I just wanted to give you a chance and see. He said that you weren't aware of those certain neighborhoods that he was talking about. I wanted to give you an opportunity to respond. Yeah, absolutely. Southeast Denton, I know it very well. I was the person who contacted Clara's Kitchen to ask them what they needed when they weren't getting um, the codes, they the, the code enforcement improvements so they could get their CO. They they told me they'd contacted my, my representative, our representative, you know, seven months ago. So I met with them. I told them how to approach planning and zoning. I told them the things they needed to know. We sat together in planning and zoning. We sp- I spoke on their behalf. I went to the city council meetings. I did the job. I do the job for D1. I show up for D1. I show up for our city. I, I'm not surprised that that's being said about me, but I'm there. I'm doing the work. So that's yeah. all I have to say. And so this is my favorite part about local elections is we get to. Do you want to jump in there? Yeah. And it, so nothing negative was said. I mean, at first, I don't think. I mean, if, if that was negative, then forgive me. Because I didn't say anything. No, no, no. I didn't say you said anything. No, no, no. I I, know. I just that that was that was a statement. And and the fact of the matter is, uh, maybe maybe (laughs) I'd be shocked if you could tell me the street that Willow Creek is in. I I mean, I get it that you're that. And here's what I'd ask. I'd ask those listening. Call city, email the city and just fact check that fact check. Clara's kitchen and ask the city manager what made that go or what that what what got the ball rolling there if you care if you care look it up I, I think you'll get a very different answer I won't I won't dig into so it now you're, you're asking for a public information request yeah, yeah I'm saying hey if you if you want an ISR if you <laughs> go you know, and this would deserve at some point it would be good to have this conversation as it relates to voter turnout in D- district one because it's very it's a complicated issue I remember when we were going through uh, redistricting 10 years ago it was one of the first things I did when I was first elected on council and I kept pointing out to them yes while we're counting the same numbers of people in each districts you got to look at registered voters too. There's a very transient population in District One. There's a lower so There's a whole lot of reasons why voter turnout, um, and it it's a good question. But I feel like District One gets beat up a lot every year because of that, and and I don't think people understand some of the root issues with that. So, anyways, that's another topic perhaps for another day. Yeah, if I may. Yeah, yeah you may. This is a conversation. Go go back uh, to your point. Go back and and these again. I don't know that that everyone here gets it, but you got to go back to Carl Jean. 
and the numbers were the same, but for he had some some different strategies that worked out for him. And, and then, but you can go back to Charlie Haggins mm-hmm. and and look at the numbers. Consistent. Go back to you yeah. running. The numbers are consistent. Yeah. It is, and we'll find that out. We'll see what what work's been done, and, and it's gradually been getting better. And, and I'm appreciative of that. But it is it is a legacy mm-hmm. of information goes back past Redmond past. I mean, there are some. There's a legacy of a challenge there, and it's not as succinct as uh, what some would would purport it to be. Yeah, the best part about local politics is uh, everyone knows you're going to find yourself at Kroger picking out avocados next to your opponent, so decency will always prevail. Has that happened yet in this race? <laughs> no. At the avocado <laughs> section? No. no. We got one, one, one. I don't know why I go to avocados on that <laughs> metaphor all the time. It's because we're going to... Never mind. Never yeah, mind. right. <laughs> <laughs> it's another topic. So uh, one last question for you all, and I will wrap. We know that you guys uh, have a lot of things to do today and, and beyond, it. but um, really, it really just has to do with... kind of, It's a visionary question. Um, and, you know, Denton, what I've always liked about this town is it's uh, we always get in fights uh, above our weight class, uh, and we do some pretty ambitious things. I mean, I think about, uh, you know, I ride the train often, and there's not many cities our size around the country who've developed a commuter rail that connects them to major um, uh, major cities like what we have, and we did that in less than 10 years. We see the ambition coming out of our two universities. We see some great startups in town. There's so many great uh, things. I'm just curious, as you guys are thinking about the next couple of years of wanting to represent the city, is there one kind of great idea that you have that you're like, you know, I've been fostering this and I want to, I want to at least pitch it, if not try and see this uh, to its fruition. What's your, what's your big idea, idea for Denton? Either one. I don't oh, care. Who wants to jump in there first? I'll go. Um, George. My big idea for Denton, uh, you know, <clears throat> my big idea for Denton would be to see through on policy that ensures that, you know, we're being an inclusive city. You know, one of the biggest draws to Toyota going to Plano or big industries going to cities that are... Um, that are growing, one thing these companies take into consideration is how mindful and respectful you are of the people who live here. So for me, it's if we're talking about economic development, this is a huge part of it. You know, having inclusive policies that protect and respect every single person that lives here is super important. Some may call this a social issue. I think it's more than that. I think that when you protect and respect everyone in your city and you showcase that in your policy, you're more apt for businesses to want to come into your town and be a part of it. And furthermore, it helps your industry boom. More people will want to live here. More more people will be excited to move here when they know that they're being protected and respected. I mean, when you talk about small business incubators, when you talk about, you know, Stoke Labs, when you talk about bringing in industry, when you talk about the culture and the identity of Denton, it's time that we put our policy where our mouth is and made sure that everyone want, living here wants to stay here because they are being protected and respected. Thanks. Gerard. Yes, a couple of things. I, I think there's one that's coming around that, that that's... Maybe I say possible and because they have to go someplace. And then there's two that we would be more organic in developing. So the one thing that, that's coming around is if you've been to D.C., you know, the museum space is has been sold. They have to go somewhere into this year. I would love for the museum to come to Denton. I, I, I think, you know, when you're talking about repurposing the mall area, when you're talking about a destination city, I think that's what the city of Denton is missing. That one catalyst that then gets you in town to see it, that then introduces you to the rest of the of the city and, and something that this region doesn't have. And I think, you know, if I think, hey, we're traveling and we want to fly to DFW area and we've got to go see this museum and its new home and what we could offer it. That's that's what I, I toured it with. Uh, well, we went toured, but we went, you know, we, we went uh, and understanding it's, it's got to go someplace. So why I talked to Mayor Watts and I'm like, hey, why don't we at least reach out? Where are they going? What are their plans? What do they need? What infrastructure do they need to need? And, and let's see if we can get them to Denton. Uh, and 
we can't, we can't. But that, so that's out there. That's one big idea. And another thing that I think is taken off that I think fits, uh, I think the, the just kind of an incubator for, for small businesses. Absolutely. I think that's key, but, but really uh, akin to that, I want to see us begin to make inroads in the gaming, uh, market. I think that kind of you look at Arlington and how they've developed that stadium for 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 gaming. I think we could do something similar and and have uh, quite a bit of success. You and, mean video and, games or like professional sports? The professional sports oh, game. Gotcha. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and so envisioning people on Nintendo or <laughs> yes, something. Yes, that's good. Mike Tyson punch out. <laughs> but yeah, getting involved in that and just kind of because I think that that industry is taking off. Uh, and, and lastly, when you talk specifically, I want to put a point on economic de- development, incubators, that sort of thing. What I've talked to a few de- developers about is creating a space that allows um, uh, people to create content, you, video content that you can then. There's so many people making YouTube ads, channels, et cetera, et cetera. Imagine if Denton had a studio that was open to citizens, almost like a rec center. Uh, you, you go in and you can create your content. They help you edit it. They help you cut it down. They help you post it. So now Denton has a presence online that's immeasurable because of YouTube hits, because of people coming to to utilize that that free studio that's available to everyone. And you're always one one uh, cat video away from going viral. So uh, that would then allow us that that kind of exposure. So that those are kind of my uh, niches and and larger items that I think could absolutely take off and and would highlight Denton and and maintain our culture. So uh, you guys know best because you're out there talking to folks every day. When when's voting start and what does people what do people need to know to get out to the polls and vote for you? Early voting begins April 22nd through the 27th and April 29th and 30th. And election day is May 4th. The 22nd through the 27th, it's 8 to 5. The 29th and 30th, it's 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. And April 4th, it's 7 to 7. Do note that the Civic Center closes at 4 p.m. on Friday and all day Saturday for early voting. Because of arts and jazz. I because of arts and jazz. No, it's we love arts and jazz. I'm just letting people know, like, don't show up there because... But also, DCTA has agreed to give vouchers to people for a free ride, especially for students at TWU, uh, to the Greek Life Center that Saturday. So it is free trip there and back. And I don't remember the second part of your question. That was it. Oh, <laughs> just, just give people information on how to vote and get out yeah, there. Yeah, go vote. Okay, great. Well, thank you guys both for coming in today. Um, and, and sharing your thoughts and thanks for throwing your hat in the ring and being willing to serve. And I know you guys are putting yourself out there for public dissection uh, every day. <laughs> so I appreciate that. And thanks for being on the show. Yeah, we, thank we thank you. And, and, thank and you. this is my first time here. And so I want to just give a plug to those that would come. It's not as bad as what you think. So <laughs> no, <laughs> they're not they're not as mean as you would. So I, it's OK. Come on in. Yeah, the, come in. The water's great. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks. We appreciate Charlie. that. Thank you guys so much. <laughs>